so you can grow yourself and grow your marriage. Chris and John are here with the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. This is episode number 86. The real 86. Yes, the real 86, because she said 86 last time, and it wasn't 86, but then we didn't have the time to go record it, and Ain't whatever. Nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time. So, today's topic is, and actually, you'll notice the theme here, we've got a few, a few future topics of money because money is a big conversation in marriage. It's also one of the biggest causes of divorce. So today we have an interesting take on money though. We interviewed Kelly Calderon. Yeah. Kelly gave us a really great perspective on how to handle the money conversation with our kids and a lot of really unique things that we hadn't thought of before. And I think you guys will find it interesting as well. Yep. Kelly is the owner and teacher of the Smart Money Academy. And our whole goal is setting up the next generation for success financially, which I think we can all agree we need a little more of that. Yep. So let's learn some things. And without further ado, Kelly Calderon. Kelly, welcome to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. Thanks for being with us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. Kelly, we're excited to have you. Kelly, we already introduced and told everybody you're with the Smart Money Academy, but I really just want to like dive straight into your story and really talk about what, why, why, why did you start the Smart? Like, obviously, I know there's a reason to know about money, but your focus is on kids, and I want to know kind of your story. Tell us about you and your family and how and why um, you decided to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was a classroom teacher for 20 years, um, been married for 25 as of last week. Um, But the first, oh, thank you. The first half of our marriage, we made all the money mistakes. I mean, it was, we had such a mess on our hands. It was crazy. Um, Even before that, even before we were married, our favorite date night was to take credit cards and go shopping and just spend all the money, (laughs) money that we didn't have. Um, And so you know, our early years of marriage, we ended up with a bankruptcy. We had a car repossession. Uh, we were paycheck to paycheck. We were negative net worth. I mean, just, and the stress was unbelievable. And so um, we kind of woke up one day and said, we've got to get a hold of this. And so we went through um, the Dave Ramsey program. We paid off $80,000 of debt in two wow, years. That's Whoa. incredible. Uh, <laughs> yes. And so um, and we just turned things around. We've started, you know, investing for our retirement. We have a positive, a, a great positive net worth. We've mm-hmm. got great credit scores now. And so, um, and that allowed me to kind of pivot out of classroom teaching because I was kind of ready. Like I had been there for 20 years and I, it was just time. And prior to that, I couldn't, I, we were, you know, I was really stuck in that job because we needed every penny that I could bring in, you know, and in addition to what my husband was bringing in. So I was able to pivot out of that. Um, I actually went into financial coaching for a little while to kind of help people do the same thing. I, you know, the process that we had done, but um, really what I loved when I was sitting there talking to them was talking to them about their kids and how to help prevent their kids from following in the same footsteps. And so I just, I saw an opportunity there to kind of marry my, my classroom teaching experience and my passion for personal finance and kind of, and that's where the start money, smart money Academy came from was just, Getting kids started off on the right track before they've made all the mistakes. 
So cool. So just so our audience understands, you coach parents to help their kids or you actually coach the kids or both? I do both. I do both. So I have some courses for parents um, to kind of get them set up with some stuff at home to get kids on the right track. But I also have courses that kids can take um, either in person or online to learn about personal finance because we know kids don't always listen to their parents, right? <laughs> yes. So, so Kelly, I'm curious, how, how young uh, do you teach age-wise for I the kids? I say as soon- yeah, well, I per, my classes start around nine or ten, mm-hmm. um, but I think parents should start as soon as kids are asking for stuff and they they don't put money in their mouth. I think that parents can start, you know, as young as that at home. That's a good sure. rule of thumb, right there. As soon as they stop well, putting money in their mouth, <laughs> I was gonna say, well, we better get started because our five year old just offered me. Uh, she got twenty dollars from my grandma for Christmas, and she was like, um, "Mom, I was thinking I'm gonna give you this money so that we can go on vacation." <laughs> So I was like, yeah. Well, we dagger right to the heart. Well, like, yeah, and also, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's ready. I think I think she would be really responsible with yeah with I, learning. But she's I only five, so, so I I don't know where what you even teach a five year old about money aside from how to count. <laughs> well, you've got a great start. She knows that vacations cost money, so that's a great. There you vacation. go, right? <laughs> Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So my my question to you, Kelly, would be, uh, what would you say are some are some negative some negative associations or negative slash bad habits that us parents do or many parents do that kids pick up early that you have to almost reverse? Yeah, there's a couple. One um, is it's kind of a a trigger I think that I've caught on to, and I was doing it myself, I had to stop myself, is this phrase, we can't afford it. Um, oftentimes, kids will ask us to buy something, and we don't want to buy it, or we don't think it's a good choice. And so we just say, oh, we can't afford it. Well, we know in our minds what that means, but they digest that that phrase very differently than what we intend them to. And so they come away thinking, oh, gosh, we don't have money to pay for the things we need, or, you know, we're unlucky with money. Our neighbors are lucky. They have money and and we're not. And they internalize a lot of different messages from that one phrase that we don't necessarily intend for them to. So we need to be really careful around that and put some correct wording around it. You know, like that's not a good choice for us, or that's not in the budget, or let me help you design a plan to save up for that item. Because I, that's not something that I want to pay for, you know. And so we, we need to put some ownership around that and some language around that to help them understand that money is all about choices and making good choices with our money. Oh, man, I, re- I really like that. See, if only you were around when I was young, I cried. My parents tell me I cried when I found out we did not have a million dollars in the bank when I was like <laughs> uh, 11 or something. So oh, I clearly did not. Yeah, she's always had a beer budget and wine taste. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, now so it's my, say about you? Now it's my you. beer budget, so here we are. <laughs> Oh, no, that's good. That's good, though, Kelly, because I we try really hard. Not that you're purposely. I mean, you're not lying necessarily by saying, oh, we can't afford it. I guess so. If it's like a two dollar item. But I I know if it's not in the budget, budget. that's a better. Yeah, I'm just saying that's a better phrase because we try really hard not to lie to our kids. And, And obviously, if you keep telling them we can't afford stuff, I can see I never put two and two together of how that would uh mentally make them yeah and also i love i love that you kind of kind of uh rephrase it and 
help them take responsibility for what they want. Because I know, I know when I was a kid, my parents always took care of my needs, but really not a whole lot of the wants. So there are four kids. My dad was an entrepreneur. My mom didn't work. Uh, so, you know, the budget was tight, but even so, I, l- I learned a lot about the value of money and the value of things early on because if I wanted something, I had to go figure out how to get it myself. And I think ultimately, mm-hmm. there's probably not too young of an age, would you agree, to be able to have that conversation and say, well, uh, well that, that's not a decision we're going to make, like, like you just said, uh, and ultimately kind of put the ball in their court. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I met a woman who had heard, we can't afford it so many times that she, uh, when her shoes stopped fitting and they were getting too small, she was afraid to ask her parents to buy her new shoes because they thought she thought they didn't have any money. And so uh, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. I, my other tip for parents be some honest conversations. Um, and this comes at in many different forms, but one of them is when I was a teacher, one thing we would do is called a think aloud and we read a book and we would stop and model our thinking for kids. So hmm, I wonder what that character's doing. I wonder why that character did that. Well, we need to be doing that for our kids with our money. So I'm in the store, right? And I see a shirt and I look at it for a minute and then I put it back on the rack. Well, they have no idea what just happened in my mind. So I need to stop and think aloud for them. Like, oh, this is an interesting shirt. You know, I really like it. Oh, but look, the price is a little higher than I'm willing to pay. You know, I have a couple of other shirts in my closet that are this color. I really don't think this is a good purchase. Oh, that's super cool. And then I put it back on the hanger. And so they, now they're starting to understand, okay, now I know why she put that back on the rack, or now I know why she took it to the register and paid for it. And so they, otherwise they have no idea why we're making the choices that we're making. And so we really need to be having those conversations. As kids get older, those conversations get um, a lot more detailed and to the point of sharing our income with our much, much older teens, sharing what our expenses are with them so that they have some sort of idea of what the real world looks like and what the what that will cost them. <laughs> oh, I think that's so good and that's so important because I personally know I did not learn much about that in high school and I will admit that I was not raised like Chris. I I did work from a young age, but uh, it was just I was allowed to do what I wanted with my money, like in my dad is kind of, he's probably not going to listen to this, but he's, he was a little bit of a sucker for, you know, if I wanted something <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to use my own money on that. I'd be like, okay, you're right. You shouldn't have to buy your own Hollister jeans. That's clothes. That's a need. I'll buy those for you. And, <laughs> you know, I could work that around with him. So I wish at a younger age, I would have understood the value. I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like I'll never forget signing on the line for student loans. Oh, like, boy. oh yeah, I'll pay back that 20,000, that 30,000, 40,000. Like, it's just a big number. It meant nothing to me. I'm mm. just like, oh yeah, I'll make that one day. No idea. Which is, um, which actually, it's funny. If we were thinking out loud, our kids would probably never go to college because we'd just be like, sorry, student loans. Sorry, <laughs> oh, can't right. get this shirt. Student loans. <laughs> right. Free. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think that's good. Um, just I'm thinking, I'm thinking out loud now. Just um, teaching them reasoning and just more vocabulary because I mean my are pe- my people our kids are very small they're five and under there's four of them so you know they're not going to understand a whole lot of it but um I like that thinking out loud thing yeah yeah so so we talk about um just kind of kind of our verbiage and our relationship behind behind saying we can't afford things what else would you say is one of the negative habits or things that you would reverse in in most kids Looks like, um, looks like we had a kid I think it goes back. Oh. Hang on, sorry. 
Okay. All right. No problem. Go ahead. Yep. Um, I think that goes back to what a kind of the honest conversations piece is um, like we go on vacation and, you know, like for us, we've saved up for months and months on that. Well, we need to talk to our kids about, Hey, we've been saving for this vacation so that we can go on vacation and not have a pile of bills when we go get back. And so it still goes to that think aloud thing of, of sharing with them, you know, we're saving for this or we're saving because of this. Um, we're, you know, our income might be a little low right now. So we're going to cut back on these ways and just sharing with them those, all of those stories. And I think a big thing that I, I've come across is that we spent years building this lifestyle that our kids are used to. And so when they get to college and they can't afford the same lifestyle, they start to feel like they're failing. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so we need to be sh- sharing our beginning stories with them. Like, hey, when I was in college, we ate ramen every day. We had lawn furniture in the living room. You know, my car was full of dents. And let them know that where they're at in life is totally normal, totally okay, and that it's going to take some time and effort to get, you know, where where they're used to living. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. I So now I've I'd like to ask you to speak to some of the parents who are, I guess I would say maybe on Jonna's parent side where, where you're like, well, I want my kids to have the things I didn't have. Right. And so I, I went to a very wealthy high school uh, and a lot of the kids were driving BMWs. Uh, I drove a 95 Camry. So, <laughs> so, but the funny thing is like, I, I saw these kids with really nice cars. They would speed. They didn't take care of them. Uh, and ultimately, I'd, I'd go to a friend's house who had a huge house and had everything they could want. And their parents were great people and stuff. But I think, I think what I got from it was there wasn't a whole lot of responsibility behind, behind the decisions they were making and the things they wanted them to have because they were giving them things that they went without. So could you speak to the damage behind that, if, if, if any at all? Yeah, absolutely. Um, sorry, lost my train of thought. We do it all the time. <laughs> um, oh, I had something. Anyways, okay. Oh, that's what I was saying. I think as parents, we need to remember that we are raising future adults, right? That we're really, our job is to equip them to survive out into the world and to thrive and do great out in the world. And so sometimes the easy way is to just do it or just buy it or something like that. But we really need to stop and think, you know, am I equipping them? Am I giving them the skills that they're going to need to be out on their own? Um, My dad is in his seventies and he does real estate. And I can't tell you how many couples he has seen cash out their retirement to buy houses for their grown children. And it breaks his heart and it breaks my heart to hear that because we really, you know, and, and I think it must be hard on the kids too, to think that they can't afford their own home. And so we need to be giving them the tools to show them how to afford the small things now on their own so that they can afford the big things on their own when the time comes. Cause there's a sense of pride that comes with that for sure. Oh, I agree. I think you definitely see that you take different care of things when you've spent your hard earned money on them. I mean, I know, personally I did when my parents would buy me a car. I mean I wasn't like your BMW rich kid friends, but I definitely More like Mustang. I had a Mustang, yes, but I didn't <laughs> think much about what I was doing. Like I didn't wash it or anything. I'm like, not bitter or anything by the way. Right. Just, <laughs> can, you, can you need a Camry? Okay, I drive a van now. So Yes, the man van. The the mom van, the mom van. But well now I forget what I was saying. But yeah, 
you do. I do think you take more pride in your things when you had to be the one to work hard to um, buy them. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the bigger things that a lot of parents feel pressure to purchase for their kids. So like cars, for instance, I've heard, I've heard a lot of, uh, I've heard a lot of good arguments on both sides. One, like I bought my own car. I took care of it. Obviously it wasn't a great car, but I definitely took better care of it that way. But then I've also had, you know, clients of mine in the past and things say, well, I want my kid to have a great car because it's all about safety. If they were to get in an accident, they're not gonna be able to afford a car with that level of safety uh, with the side airbags and all that stuff. So, so what would you say to that? Do you, do you feel like parents, um, do you feel like that's kind of a give and take on the car issue or what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, so for what we, what we did for our son was we did a matching program and we'll do it for our youngest too, but whatever he saved up himself, then we were willing to match that. Wow. Um, and then he would have twice the amount of money now up to a certain point because he was a major saver and he was going to break us if we weren't careful. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but I taught him a few things. One, he had a part ownership of the car and the, the pride that went with that into the practice of saving, right? Because I think that that's a huge foundation for money management is knowing how to save money, save up for things you want, an emergency fund, all of those things. And so that gave him an opportunity to kind of flex that muscle with, uh, with two incentives, right? Not only the incentive of a car, but the incentive of the fact that we were going to double what he had saved. Um, and so for us, that was a plan that worked out really well. I understand that there, you know, I, and I've heard, good arguments either side too. Like there are kids who can't, who don't have the time to work because they're heavy into sports and that's what their family values. And so, and, and I see, you know, the other side of that too, but I really encourage parents to think, to be intentional with whatever decision they make. Like if we choose to just gift our child a car, what is the purpose behind that? What are we trying to teach them versus if they have to pay for it all themselves or we're going to match, you know, so just, be intentional, sit down and think, what is it we want our kid to come away with? Not just a car, but what other life lessons to go with it? To be fair, my parents did have me do the match program because I was working. Oh, wow. No, but then they just gifted it to me. They said, oh, never okay. mind, it's just yours. We bought it. But but oh, they boy. had good intentions, right? I think I saved like a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, that's good. A thousand bucks is good. I mean, yeah, I was making like $5 an hour. This was back in like, date myself right, a right, bit. anyways right. um so kelly when you're what what is like your thing like obviously money but what is the one thing that is most important to you to drill through to either the parents to teach their kids to their kids like what do you what are you really passionate about teaching is it saving is it investing is it what retirement what is it gosh that's a hard question because it's <laughs> all kind of interlinked together sure um I would say the very first step is saving um, because if you can learn to save, then you're living below your means, then you have money to invest, then, you know, it's kind of the foundation for all of all the other things. Now, that being said, when we're talking about little kids, I think the world wants to go digital right now, right? Because, you know, who wants to touch, touch money and, ugh, you know, the germs and all of that. And I get it. I really, really do. But kids need the physical money. They have to handle money to understand how it works. That is a lot like, you know, only doing digital is asking kids to understand how the water cycle works, but they've never seen it rain. Right. And so they need to have, they need to touch money and feel money and take it to the store and exchange it for goods and, and all of those things. So I highly encourage parents to start with cash for young kids. And especially when they're saving, 
The other thing to think about with little kids is that we're going to get a clear jar so they can see how much they have in there, right? And let's say they have a dollar. Well, four quarters laying on the bottom of a jar to a little kid does not look like very much money. But a dollar bill crumpled up gets exciting, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do all these little mind tricks that we do with our little people to get them excited about saving and keep that momentum going, keep that motivation going. Um, And then they need to have a purpose that they're saving for, right? Like even as adults, savings is boring. (laughs) None of us just want to save to save. So give me a reason why. And so have the, the little charts that you color in, have the picture of what they're saving, but all, you know, we need to be doing all of those things to get them in the practice of saving so that later in life, when they're just saving to save and it's boring, at least they'll have that experience. So unbeknownst to our daughter, she's saving for every tooth in the tooth fairy. Oh, stop. Uh, I, I never have cash <laughs> on me. I never have cash on me. So I always go into her We're job. We're terrible. I feel Chris. so bad, but it's actually pretty funny because we we were, you know, moving into a cashless society anyway. So I'm oh, like, well, stop. shoot. <laughs> Stop. it's okay she'll have funded some of the greater things in her imagination growing up i can't no i think that's <laughs> shut up chris i think that's great though because it is as you know like you said you used to go on dates and buy things with your credit card when you hand somebody a piece of plastic and they hand it back to you you don't really feel the pain of losing exactly a whole lot i remember when i was <laughs> serving you know i would get all this cash at the end of the night and i was a lot more stingy with my cash than i was with my debit card because I'm seeing it physically leave my hand and I'm seeing the pile dwindle. And so I I think, I don't know. I think that's great. And I hope we don't move to. Yes. Yes. Cashless. It's so true. Studies have shown that using cash, when you hand over cash, it actually triggers a pain receptor in your brain instead of using a car. So it's fascinating. And, And we need to think about that with our kids too, right? Because we all want them to value a dollar. Well, the value of something is found in the loss, in the pain of its loss. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're handing over their dollar and they feel that pain, they've just learned the value of it. And so handling cash is hugely important, at least until they're about nine or 10. Mm-hmm. That does make sense. That makes a lot of sense. I had a good question for you and I lost my train of thought now. So we're all going to take turns doing that. Uh, you got any questions while I think of this, John? Yes. It was a good one. We were, we were going to move this in a, a, a good direction. Oh, here it is. It popped up. We're good. Okay. So uh, I think that I think that we know that as parents, our kids see what we do. They see our habits. They see our, the way we handle things, and then they learn a lot from us. So I would imagine, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but I would, I would imagine you probably have a pretty good emphasis on parents and where they should start so their kids can kind of see uh, their attitudes start to change. Where where do you start with parents um, when it comes to money? Um, so again, every family has their own value system, right? So <laughs> I try not to dive too much into that, but we do need to be aware of what we're what messages we're teaching our kids. Um, you know, if I come home with a brand new pair of jeans every week, they're gonna notice and be like, she doesn't need that, right? So we need to be we need to be monitoring ourselves and shopping and spending money in the same way that we want would want our kids to, right? Stick to mostly what we need, splurge once in a while again, excuse me, splurge once in a while on a want, um, you know, but, but live within our means, that sort of thing, because they are fully aware of what's going on for sure. Um, and so I would just, and then be, show gratitude, right? Like, I'm grateful for the things that we have. 
which means that we don't need much more. You know, let's just stick to our budget and plan for the future and plan for vacations and retirement and those sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question as it pertains to relationships and money. So, me and Jana, when I when I ran my business, we, we were making good money, and I remember telling her we need to do the Dave Ramsey plan. We need to get super aggressive, and we need to pay off our debt. We had tons of student loans, okay. And I remember her not being on board. She was thinking ahead. I was thinking momentary, which you'd think my strategy was futuristic, but really I was thinking about the moment because the idea here was if we would have gone absolutely, you know, super obsessive on saving we would have moved from where we moved, moved into maybe the in-laws um, and been saving money intentionally for years and years and years before we bought a house. Uh, and honestly, I think it would have really had a, taken a toll on our marriage personally. So I'm, I'm actually glad, and it's funny I'm saying this, but I'm actually glad we did not get super aggressive because I don't think we'd have had four kids and I don't think, I don't think that we would have the relationship we have now. Um, so can you speak to can you speak to people in that position? Because you and your husband paid off a lot of money. And I'm sure you guys were ridiculously strict. Um, for us in the stage mm-hmm. we were in, it just didn't seem like it made sense relationally for us. Get, getting out of debt wouldn't have saved our marriage. Well, that's what I was gonna say. What you're saying is the point of life we were in, I I was like, Yeah, I wanna pay off debt, but the way Chris wanted to go, like all in crazy for a few years to me was too much because we had little kids. I'm like, we're going to miss out on everything. You're telling me we can't even go to, you know, back when things were open and normal, we can't go to anything or go do anything and enjoy life over the next three years. So you're saying like, is there a a balance? Well, yeah. So I love Dave Ramsey, but I do think Dave's a little extreme in certain circumstances based on seasons of life. So can you, can you speak to that and give me your opinion on that? Absolutely. And I totally agree with you. Um, In my programs, I do not strictly teach Dave Ramsey. Like I don't teach kids that credit cards are evil. I just show them the effects of paying the minimum balance over time, that sort of thing, you know, because I think that they can be used responsibly. Um, We are very much in the same situation where we, uh, we got out of student loan debt, car debt, you know, consumer debt, but we have not paid off our house and we're not aggressively paying off our house because We've got two kids. We've got a senior in high school and we want to take our vacations and, and enjoy our time together and, you know, do all of those things. So, yeah, I think it is really important to find the balance that works for you. Um, but, but be aware of each other's desires. Be aware of the stress that it creates in each other um, and then find a way to meet in the middle. So, you know, if, if carrying the debt is very stressful for one, but you know, sacrificing everything to pay it off is very stressful for the other, you know, talk about it, be aware of it, and then meet somewhere in the middle. I think that's good. That's, that's pretty much what we did. And now we, I would say we're a little extreme on the opposite end because we gave, like, I gave myself an excuse as an entrepreneur. So the way I look at it, and again, I love Dave Ramsey. I literally listened to every one of his podcasts and I was a Dave Ramsey freak. The way I look at it is Dave Ramsey is, is more for people who have the traditional jobs, who are who are saving 401k, all that stuff. Uh, and entrepreneurs, he he essentially what I picked up in a lot of ways is you can save yourself, save save your way to wealth. And I, I feel like I feel like entrepreneurship, that's a 
that's definitely a different story. So for me, I had to take some Dave Ramsey things with a grain of salt. Uh, but ultimately, we concluded to, uh, I guess, enjoying life and having babies and trusting, really, really just trusting God that we were making the right decisions for our future. And we, we definitely want to attack our debt. Student loans are highly crippling. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the majority of our debt too, for sure, with student loans. And it's so it's so heartbreaking when you pay on it for 15, 20 years and you look and the balance is exactly the same, if not even bigger uh, yeah. than what you started at. It's it's crazy. But yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I believe that he, you know, he's running triage for people who are bleeding out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I think that for people who are starting out and aren't bleeding out, haven't made those mistakes, you know, they they can make some different choices for sure. Yeah. That makes sense. So I think it comes down to, I don't know, communicating with your well, spouse and figuring out yeah. what you guys want. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we did, but yeah. And I think what's cool and what, and what you're bringing to the table with us here, Kelly is communicating with our kids. I yeah. think, I think there was a generation that was so private in every way. And now we're being a little more open. And I think ultimately communicating with our kids on where we're at is a healthy thing. And I actually, I actually love that you bring that concept to the table. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's something we've had to learn. That was, it was kind of uncomfortable for me because my parents didn't have those conversations with me, but I've got, you know, I've got a senior who's graduating a few years and we, we have very hard, uh, honest conversations with him about this is how much money we're bringing into the house. This is how much money is going towards our expenses. This is how much money is going to savings and what we're saving for. And, you know, you're going to have to read your kids. Like some seniors may not be ready for that information. Maybe they're not going to hold it confidentially or even understand it. And then, you know, other seniors are totally ready for it and can, it will help guide them because we're asking them to choose careers at this point in their life, which is going to affect their income, which is going to affect their lifestyle. And if they have no idea how much they're going to be bringing in or how much life is going to cost them, how can we ask them to make a wise decision? Oh, I couldn't agree more. Like I said, especially being somebody who didn't understand, I'll never forget right before we got married. Chris's dad set us down, sat us down and was like, let's create a budget. A, wasn't it a 2020 budget? A five-year five plan. Five plan. Yeah. And he like started breaking things down for us. And at that point I had lived with my parents and I had lived in a college dorm. I had never paid rent or mortgage or anything. And when this dude started breaking <laughs> down numbers for me, I was like, how will we ever make that kind of money? How will we ever get it? Like it was, it was mind blowing. So I think that Yes, I think that as parents, if we are less private with our kids and kind of to your point earlier, understand that we are trying to raise adult human beings here who are going to need to know these things and other deep, awkward issues that, yeah, definitely. that we have to talk about. Okay, Ledger. Um, I, I just, yeah, I think we're, we're setting them up for a more realistic life. Cause shoot, yeah. I was just like, yeah, sure. I'll make a hundred thousand dollars. No big <laughs> deal. I'm sure I'm going to get a great job. I'm awesome. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Yes. And, and, and I think had, what you're, go ahead. If, if I had no, like I took out student loans that I didn't even need. My school was paid for. I had gotten scholarships and I was like, yeah, but I could use a little more money. To yeah. Free play money. With yeah, and I got a degree in teaching. Like, if I had thought about the fact that I wasn't going to make very much money and I'm taking on all of these extra payments, mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, I'm just, I'm hoping that the next generation will have this information before they made the stupid mistakes that I made. <laughs> yes. Here, here's a question for you as a teacher, actually. So I know oftentimes parents will say, well, why didn't teachers teach me, teach my kids this, that, and the other? I feel, um, 
I feel really passionate about what you're doing with, with, with your kid, uh, being a senior, being open about your finances and all those things. Because truthfully, like John mentioned earlier, we didn't have that luxury of knowing how to budget or what to do or anything uh, moving into our adult years. So would you say it's the parent's responsibility to do this? Or would you say that curriculum needs change to, to really educate kids on this and how expensive student loans are and how crippling they can be and all that? Um, it would be great if schools would do it, it but I really feel like it, you know, the onus is on the parents um, for a few reasons. First of all, is that I, I think school is really great for kids to get a sampling of a lot of different things. For example, my son is taking calculus right now and physics, and these are things that I can't teach, you know, and maybe that's going to be his passion. And he wouldn't have known that if he had never gotten that opportunity because teaching personal finance at school is going to come at the cost of something else. Absolutely. And secondly, you don't know that teacher's story. You know, if, if personal finance is assigned to some teacher and they have a lot of shame around money or they, you know, don't have a good money story or so, you know, it's very dangerous to completely leave that in the hands of somebody else because this is our kids' futures. Um, if my kid walks away not completely understanding calculus, he's going to be okay. But if he gets in the world and has no idea how to manage his own money, that, you know, that's, he's not going to go, it's not going to go well. Now, that being said, a lot of parents feel nervous about teaching their kids money, right? Because they have their own money stories or their own money struggles. And so I just encourage parents to, you know, there's a lot of resources online to teach themselves. Um, They can sit down and learn with their kids, tell their kids, you know, I wasn't great at this. I'm trying to learn too. Let's learn together. I mean, again, it comes back to that honesty piece. My oldest saw what we went through to pay off debt. He knows we totally messed up with money. And I've never seen a 17-year-old more responsible with money in all my life. That's so, so cool. Yes. <laughs> they, they can hear that and still come away okay. And oftentimes, they'll come away better and stronger from our own mistakes. Man, that is powerful. I love that. That is super cool. Let me ask you this question. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a curveball. I do this to everybody. No, Don't worry. Uh, so <laughs> if I were to ask you for three applicable things for each like set of age groups let's say let's say like let's say like 18 years well we'll say we'll 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 cut the ages into thirds right so eh, maybe maybe six through 12 and 12 and 12 through 18 actually because one through six i don't really think there's a whole lot whole lot you can do with it but what applicable things for each of those stages would you say that parents could take away from from this podcast all right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack you a little bit. I'm gonna start with preschool. Awesome, that's even better. <laughs> I'm gonna say <laughs> um, savings. You know, we're gonna go back to what we we're talking about. Start getting them saving with a with a goal in mind. Handling cash, practicing taking it to the store and exchanging it for whatever they want to buy, so that they understand the foundations of how money works um, and earning money. Right, that we don't just get money because we breathe. Like they need to maybe be doing little chores around the house to earn that money. Uh, elementary school, start expanding their their um, ideas a little bit. They can start learning about investing, believe it or not. Even I would say a little older elementary, um, third grade and up, um, start teaching them about compound interest, um, teaching them about passive income and, you know, owning a rental property. And you're not, you know, you're not exchanging your time for your money at that point. You're teaching your money to go to work for you. So they can definitely um, start learning those concepts. Uh, Passive income is something that I had never even heard of until my late 30s. And so the sooner we can teach kids about that, the better. And then for high school and up, 
just those money management principles like budgeting, um, the, the, the nitty gritty, right? Um, having an emergency fund, understanding what is insurance for and how does it protect me and my, and my, my income, my wealth. Um, so it's much more nitty gritty at the older ages, but that's definitely, if they have the foundation built of understanding how, how to save, um, understanding passive income, then the nitty gritty doesn't seem so, so boring because they'll have the, the, um, the motivation, if you will, the reasoning behind doing those things. Okay. So we all know that you can't take somebody where you have never been. So for the person listening, that's like, sounds great. I don't know anything about investing or really, I don't even understand insurance or whatever that may be. Where's a good place for uh, we adults to go? Like, is it your blog? Do you, you said you teach parents too. So what's, where's a, what are some good resources or starting places for people to learn about that kind of stuff so we can learn to teach our children? Oh gosh. Um, Great question. So for parenting resources, yeah, my blog is definitely helpful. Um, I love um, the book, Smart Money, Smart Kids by Rachel Cruz, which is Dave Ramsey's daughter, right? So Mm -hmm. again, parenting principles, right? But um, even the even Dave Ramsey's, Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover, for parenting, not parenting, but for adult personal finance, that's a great place to start too. Um, just, and read, read, read. I mean, even now as a financial educator, I am constantly reading money books and, you know, learning new things. And so I just podcast all of, all the things. <laughs> There's so many great places to learn. Just choose your favorite, if, whether it's audiobooks or podcasts or actually sitting down and reading. Just dive in. There's And, and no matter where you start, you're going to find something new to learn. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Jonna, go ahead and ask my famous question today. Oh, okay. I can take your turn. Yeah, go ahead. Perfect. Okay, Kelly. So as we begin to wrap up here, we always like to ask, is there anything we didn't touch on that you just really would like to make sure our listeners um, hear today. Hmm. Um, gosh, I think I've touched on all the <sighs> the really big ones, but I just want to really, really reiterate the whole cash thing. I think that it's so easy to just want to slip into digital and here's an app and you can keep track of your money and so much is lost. Um, you know, especially with the really little ones. So they need to, they need to see a quarter and hold a quarter and, and, you know, and as parents, we can use candy bars to break those into like a candy bar would be a dollar and break it into four pieces. So they understand what a quarter is. Right. Mm. So just the, the physical manipulative is what we would say as teachers, right. Things that they can touch and handle. is so, so important. Yeah. Love that. And if you're a germ freak, just chill out and lice all that. All that money. <laughs> Calm so, down. Germs aren't bad. Would you say that we should take a twenty dollar bill and drink and and break it into ones just just to kind of show them show them the uh, the accumulation of money that they have and like where things go just because maybe change would be a little bit confusing. Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah, the this yeah, I would start with a do- the dollar bill as a unit and then um, you know break that down into quarters eventually. Or, or change it up to larger bills. But yeah, a dollar as a unit would be a great place to start. And, and if you've ever watched a kindergarten class, they count over and over and over again, because the concept of 20 means nothing to them. They have to see each individual piece to understand what 20 means. And so, yeah, you definitely need to break that down. That's good. I think that, that makes that, a ton of sense, yeah. I think we should also 
we, cause we've got little kids consider getting maybe um, like that felt money and stuff just for the process of counting. Cause they have like a little grocery set and stuff, but daggone our two year old is so wild. She rips up all the dollar bills, the fake dollar bills. So I can't do paper, mo- paper money no. here, <laughs> but um, no, that's good. So, okay, Kelly. So for the people who are listening that Wait, are like, I had one oh, more oh, personal oh. question and then, and then I'm going to let you talk about your smart money Academy. Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So here's a personal question. So when, when I grew up, um, well, growing up, my dad made a decision for us uh, that we didn't really like grasp at the time. And I'm wondering what your opinion is on this. So uh, from, I forget, probably from the time we were like, eh, just making money outside of the house at some level, not chores. Since we we're making money, um, he had us set aside 50% and give it to him. And at the time it really hurt. It really, really sucked. Um, but uh, 50% was given to him. So out of all of our jobs. Uh, and then I remember one time I, I burnt a hole in my pocket with money. It was, it, it was outrageous, but I remember my friend was like, Oh geez, uh, that that's for another day. And anyway, so I, uh, that, yeah, I, I'm losing my train of thought on that one. That's because Chris <laughs> always has said to me like, Oh yeah, I used to just spend so much money, I used to spend on, my so much money on my ex-girlfriend. Sorry. T- that so idea is already taken. He got really cheap with me when uh, I started yes, dating. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, shots fired. I love it. Okay. Anyway. So the idea behind that was, I remember I was like 17 or something and my friend's like, Hey, you want to go to Hilton Head? And I was like, Oh man, I don't have the money. I told my dad, he's like, hang on a second. He went up to his closet and he brought down this envelope with hundreds of dollars in it from all the money I had made, um, half of it, right? And is it the best choice to, you know, spend it all on vacation? No, but he left that up to me and he reminded me like, look, remember that 50%? This is it. And I was just like blown away. So any methods close to that? Do you think that's too extreme? What's your opinion on on us kind of almost- uh, Was it like taxing you? or Communicating what was, what was- and forcing like a little bit of savings just to show the- but was he telling result. you his taxes or what? How? He just said, "Give me half your money." He, I forget. I just complied. I don't know. I, I forget. I forget. <laughs> um, that is, you know, that's a tough one. Uh, your dad had great intentions, and I think that he was definitely trying to teach you something. And I, and I don't. I would never fault anybody for that. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't force my boys. Because I have found that with a lot of kids, when you force them to do something, the second they get the opportunity, they will do the exact opposite, right? Because they resent being forced to do so. And so the path that we've chosen is to, you know, we take these major vacations. And so we show the kids the power of saving. Like they know we're saving for to go to Hawaii. That was two years ago. Or we went to, uh, we went skiing in Whistler. And so they understand now the power of saving and that what could, what great things can come of that. And we've shown them how compound interest works and things like that. So we've, we've given them a lot of motivation and a lot of tools, um, but we do not force them. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and it's also going to depend on, you know, knowing your, we didn't talk much about this, but knowing your kid's personality, especially around money. Um, So like, you know, like you said, there was money burning a hole in your pocket, right? So you were a real spender, right? And so, your dad did need some, he needed to motivate you to save more, obviously. Now, right. you know, I don't know if he chose the right path or not, but I, he understood that that's what you needed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I Savers, they're going to need encouragement to spend some of their money and enjoy it, right? Because that's part of what money is for instead of just hoarding it. 
Um, and then there's another, another type of saver called a security seeker, and they save money because it makes them feel safe. And so we need to be teaching those kids other ways to feel safe through their relationships, through their faith, through, you know, th- their health, things like that. Um, we have kids called flyers who don't really care about money at all. They don't even want to talk about it. They want to pretend like it doesn't, ima- uh, it doesn't exist. And so, you know, we need to teach them about why it's important to manage their money. So it's really important to kind of watch your kid. And one fun way to do this is to watch what they do with their Halloween candy, uh-huh. right? So maybe they don't have access to a lot of money, but when they get their Halloween candy, if they eat it all right away, that tells you they're probably a spender, right? If they st- <laughs> If they still have that Halloween candy next September, <laughs> they're probably a saver, but that one you'll need to analyze a little bit more why. But so, yeah, as parents, we need to understand what is our kids' money personality? What, you know, how am I going to need to stretch them to kind of balance that personality? Because they're no good or bad, just they need to be balanced, right? And then, you know, what ways can I motivate them into that stretch? So. That's awesome. <laughs> what a rich conversation on money and kids and savings and all of that is so, so cool, Kelly. Where, where can our listeners find out more about you and Smart Money Academy? Yeah, absolutely. My website is, it's four words, thesmartmoneyacademy.com, thesmartmoneyacademy.com. And it's also the same on Instagram and Facebook. So you'll find everything there. I've got a course for teens. Um, it's all online. They do it at their pace and it gives them... Um, I call it the survive and thrive plan, right? This, so the five-year plan to get them set up well at the beginning and, and get some good habits built and good foundation built. And then the thrive plan, what are the things they need to be doing to be set up for retirement um, over the next 50 years? And so that's, I call it the thrive and um, survive plan. Um, and you can find that there on my website. And then oh, usually over the summer, I've got online and face-to-face classes for kids ages eight and up. So um, you can kind of find everything there. I have a parenting course and I have a blog and so check out all the things. <laughs> yeah. So cool. So cool. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and the mistakes and the successes you've had. And I think, um, I mean, this is beneficial for me, so I'm yeah. sure it will be for our listeners. Definitely. Yes. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I've had a great time. Thanks so much for listening to the Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage podcast. If you know a parent who would benefit from this conversation with Miss Kelly Calderon in the Smart Money Academy, go ahead and share this episode and don't forget to visit her page for her courses. And thank you to those of you who have supported Grow Yourself, Grow Your Marriage by buying us a coffee. If you would like to help us out, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash G-Y-G-Y-M. And you can also text us now if you've got anything to say. 513-620-4333. Thanks, guys.